Shut up and sit down. This is objectively the worst podcast of all time, and I can prove it. Welcome to Popcraft, where we'll autopsy the screenplays behind your favorite films and TV shows. Usually. I'm your host, Carl Albert, and today I wanted to try something a little different. I wanted to interrupt your regular programming to bring you a special episode of what I am considering Pop Thoughts. I was on the internet the other day, as we all are every day, and on the most holy of sites, Reddit, when I saw a phrase that is frankly the bane of my existence, this movie is objectively bad. This is a phrase you'll see a lot on the internet, often used by, you know what, I I was going to throw some derogatory terms for the worst people on the internet. We'll say trolls, spammers, assholes, but honestly, regular, nice, normal people use the term too. I know I used it as a teenager. I hear family members use it, and I am not a big fan of it, to say the least. This movie is objectively bad. This TV show is objectively bad. This whatever the fuck is objectively bad. This podcast is objectively bad. I'm sure you've had that so enlightening, so nuanced, so just life-giving conversation online with someone. This movie is objectively bad. By what standards? I'm sure you're Super well-read in, like, all things film theory, storytelling theory, writing theory. By what standards? Wait. Oh, no, I'm getting pretentious. The people who have read those books, they're not who we can actually judge things by, right? Like, reviewers. Reviewers don't know what they're talking about. Critics don't know what they're talking about. By what standards do we determine art is a objectively bad objectively like not subjectively subjectively is for plebeians subjectivity is bullshit how do we say art is objectively bad how we can't you absolute lovely person okay i'm done being an asshole i'm i'm done venting let's get into the serious stuff which let's begin with the statement Art is subjective. That's the thesis. But at the same time, if we try to teach writing as a craft, then surely the very existence of writing being a craft implies a level of objectivity, level of goals that can be reached, a craft, right? If it's like woodworking, that you can carve out specific types of blocks, that you can make things in a specific pattern, that you can create using Clearly, I don't know shit about woodworking, but you get the point. So how can writing be both a craft and an art at the same time? And what does that really mean? And why do I hate the term blank is objectively bad so much? I'm very much of the opinion that life itself, reality is subjective, is how very postmodern of me, right? Frankly, we all have our own subjective experience. At the same time, to have a real conversation with each other, to live practically day to day, we have to agree on certain like objective facts, right? And I use objective kind of in quotation marks, but we have to be able to agree on science, right? The fucking vaccines work, right, for COVID. We have to agree on these basic set of facts to actually have a real conversation to exist in a society. And, you know, sidestepping the broader notions of that. Art, however, to have a real conversation about art requires a certain level of 
quote, objectivity, that you have to have a certain foundation that you and the person you're discussing with can agree upon. At the same time, it perhaps more than most other things that we interact with day to day is based in our subjectivity. It is so very human in that way, so fraught with interpretation, fraught with nuance and nebulous quality to it that it's impossible to pin down. Especially the best works of art are, are really, you know, challenge us on a very personal level, challenge our morals. You think about, you know, even genres like horror as a genre is judged a lot. I know my my own mother, you know, I had that classic sort of 1980s experience where my mom was like, is something wrong with you? You know, that you enjoy horror, that you enjoy seeing these really gruesome acts of violence, acts of whatever, you know, and she could not understand what I found cathartic, what I found satisfying, what I found entertaining about horror as a genre. And that's just sort of one quick example of how writing or art, filmmaking, whatever, is a subjective experience, that I can get something that another person does not get out of it at all, and vice versa. I love Star Wars The Last Jedi, flaws and all, but a lot of people hate it. A lot of people say it's not Star Wars. Well, what is Star Wars? You have to agree on a certain foundational template to have a real conversation. But the thing is, people may mean different things when they talk about Star Wars. For some people, Star Wars is a Western sci-fi pulpy action adventure story and that's all they want for some people it's about the jedi and the sith and the war between them and they care less about you know the dregs of tatooine as much as they do darth vader and the emperor and luke skywalker and obi-wan kenobi and and the conflict therein for some people star wars is a feeling they get it's about escapism for other people it's about this sort of Jungian conflict this philosophy this underlying existential worries about your own shadow and confronting the darkness within you and growing past it. You know, I'm talking on really broad levels. So the point is that art is so subjective, whether it be a genre, a specific work of art, it's a subjective experience. Writing is subjective. So what's the point of trying to judge anything? Like, can you judge art or writing in a way that approaches objectivity? Can you, I mean, how do you even begin to have that conversation? Well, David Hume, a philosopher from way back in the olden days, argued that uh, subjectivity was uh, a certain level of bullshit and that, well, art was subjective, but good taste would help you understand better art. At the same time, his colleague Immanuel Kant said that art was truly subjective and a whole lot of other shit. Point is, people have been arguing about this for a really fucking long time. And I mean, that's not even that old. When you go back to thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, to Plato, to Aristotle, and what Aristotle thought of art and how art should be constructed. And perhaps we'll get into that in one of these upcoming episodes. The point is, people have been arguing about what makes objectively good art for fucking ever. In the West, we talk about three-act structure, we talk about five-act structure, we talk about structuring art correctly, we talk about symbolism, we talk about a level of symmetry in art, that the first act should parallel the final act. And this is something that I personally find forever satisfying when you have, say, the first act of Little Miss Sunshine showing our, in quotes, Little Miss Sunshine dancing to a videotape, getting ready for her big competition, and the last act showing her failing 
at the competition, but dancing with her whole ass family and getting the themes to work and the optimism therein, that the family love each other, that they're supportive and that she is beautiful for who she is. We find that amazing in the West. And the Eastern side of things, there's a four-act structure. And it's not even the, the, like the West has an idea of four-act structure. The East has a different idea of the four-act structure that does not involve plot as we know it. It is plot-less. There is a level of individual conflict, but ultimately a status quo that is maintained throughout. It is antithetical to everything we understand as plot. So does that make it not art? I think you'd be hard-pressed to argue that. Likewise, does how potent art is make it more objectively good? I love Moonlight. I love Moonlight so much. I thought it was better than La La Land when it came out. I cheered for it to win the Oscar for Best Picture. It won the Oscar for Best Picture. Did it change the world? No. I mean, I haven't run a scientific study. Please feel free to tell me if a scientific study has been done. But I don't think Moonlight changed the world. I don't think suddenly people were okay with gay people. I don't think suddenly the black community in America had gotten rid of all homophobia therein. I don't think it solved all problems in the United States of America. But it's still a good movie, right? I love Moonlight. And I think it's powerful and it's complex, but it didn't change the world despite what Hollywood would have you believe, despite how impactful Hollywood believes the Best Picture nomination, let alone win, is. I mean, Crash won Best Picture. Do you even remember what movie Crash is? Have you even seen Crash? And that's to say nothing of the modern YouTuber, wherever critic who believes the end-all be-all of art criticism is plot holes. And they define plot holes as being anything that seems inconsistent with reality. They will say the reality of the the art itself, but I I, I find that they tend to not view that when it comes to, say, The Dark Knight and how nonsensical Joker's plan is. And that's a common enough criticism nowadays. But you could also be talking about, you know, how Thanos' plan to wipe out half the universe. Why doesn't he create double the resources? Well, I mean, that's not the point of the movie. He's the mad titan, right? And if he creates double the resources, they're still going to move through those resources. You know, all the aliens, all the humans in the universe are still going to move through all those resources in a given amount of time. That's not the point of the movie. The point is that he believes this is the way that you're going to solve things. Through this Joker is creating chaos for Batman to confront. And I mean, yeah, I'm only fucking talking about superheroes because it's the biggest genre in the world right now. But the point is that people talk about plot holes. They're talking about logic in movies. How many James Bond movies do you watch for the villain's plan to be logical? How logical is it that a man from some alien world looks just like us and can fly? How logical is it that even after being raised by human beings, he carries our morals, that his brain works like ours does. Humans are not logical. How often are you logical? Really look internally. Think about it. Take a second. God, if you say that you are a logical person, I'm willing to bet you need to go to a lot of therapy. How often are you logical? How often is your life filled with plot holes? How rational, how reasonable 
how giant a plot hole is it that human beings nowadays won't get a vaccine because they believe that vaccine is going to give them COVID because they think it's going to give them some 5G virus bullshit. That's not to say throw away the notion of logic entirely. Obviously, you should try to adhere to at least your own movie's logic. But even then, like, logic is not the end-all be-all. Emotion is. But that's just my subjective opinion. Another reason why people use the term this whatever is objectively bad is because of insecurity. The insecurity of their opinion. They feel that they have to apply objectivity to make their opinion worthwhile. Opinions by their nature, are subjective. You can base your opinion in objective fact or in things completely disconnected from reality, right? I also hate this idea that sort of... There's this opinion nowadays that some things are opinions and some are not, that people say, you know, like, vaccines don't work. That is not an opinion, some people might say. The truth of the matter is, vaccines not working specifically ones that have been tested and approved and stuff, obviously, like the COVID vaccines, Moderna, what have you, that's a bad opinion. And I'm sorry if I offend you. I'm not sorry. You're what's wrong with our society. But there are bad opinions and good opinions. An opinion being a bad thing doesn't mean that it's not an opinion. Reality, life, and certainly art is subjective, right? Opinions can be good or bad. And even those qualifiers are subjective, Right? That's sort of what I'm getting at is you shouldn't feel the need to have to claim your opinion about a movie, about a work of art is objective for it to be worthy, for it to be worthwhile. You should trust even in the dregs of the internet, even the worst, darkest alleys of the internet, that when you put it out there, it doesn't matter how people respond to it, that your opinion is worthwhile. And obviously this is a complicated topic in and of itself about mental health, about people's sense of self-worth about courage, but that is a big reason why people say something is objectively bad, right? And I know I've been there, you know, certainly as a teenager, I was there where I felt like I had to give whatever excuse, whatever pseudoscientific bullshit reasoning I had to, to claim that my opinion about anything, let alone a work of art, was uh, important, was meaningful, and was correct. But when we're talking about art, that's ultimately a fruitless discussion because we're all coming at it from different points of view with different experiences with different expectations a specific example i want to give is the room directed and written and produced by tommy wiseau the room if you're listening to this podcast you probably know what the room is you probably have seen the room you probably have enjoyed the room but if you don't know what it is it's widely considered the worst movie ever made, or the best worst movie ever made. It is the very definition of so bad it's good. It is so fun to watch, and yet it's bad. One might say it's objectively bad. It breaks every rule of filmmaking you've ever heard. It breaks ones you didn't even know exist. It's just like remark, like it, it, it makes you cringe watching it, but in a way that brings you joy, whether that's out of this sense of superiority, you feel that, oh, I could never make something that bad or this just broader sense of schadenfreude, like watching something terrible burn. At the same time, the fact that it brings us enjoyment, doesn't that imply a certain level of quality? The phrase, it's so bad, it's good, not just implies, but outright states 
a level of quality, right? So bad it's good. The room is so bad it's good. What is art? What are movies for if not to entertain us? Certainly to give us a deeper understanding of the human experience on a certain level, but not every movie does that. You know, you go and watch The Avengers and you're probably not going to come away with some new understanding of what makes people tick. But people love that movie. I love The Avengers, right? And I certainly think it's a much better movie than The Room, but The Room also makes you feel things. The things it makes you feel maybe are different or maybe a little off base from what you traditionally get from a movie, but it's still a positive experience for you, isn't it? If you go to midnight screening and throw plastic spoons at that screen and get a quote the movie, you know, say, oh, hi, Mark, like, pardon my shitty Tommy Wiseau, but like, this is a good thing, right? It is making you happy. And even if it's only on a meta textual level, you are getting a thematic lesson from the movie, right? That a very complicated one that sometimes bad things, things that are outside of our society, outside of what we deem competent, what we deem worthwhile, make our life more meaningful. You know, camp is is a whole genre. I don't even know genre is the right word, but it's a whole subsection of art that is meaningful to the LGBT plus community. It's a genre, a subgenre, what have you, that is all about a certain level of it's so bad, it's good, a certain level of cheesiness, but self-awareness too in the room, not to say the room is camp, the room is not camp. But the the idea that like sometimes things are bad and good simultaneously, right? That things have a worth despite the fact that they don't fit into our preconceived notion of what is quote, objectively, unquote, good. What makes art meaningful? What makes art good? So writing is subjective. And yet, we go to schools to learn writing. I went to film school at USC for screenwriting. That implies that you can learn it, right? That there is a craft to it. And to some extent, that's true. I think the craft, the level of objectivity is really more than anything about talking about appealing to as broad an audience as possible. When we say something is objectively good, I think that's really what we're saying is that more people than not will like this thing, at least in the Western world, right? If you follow these parameters, if you fit within them. And even then, there's a gray area. Star Wars The Last Jedi made a bunch of money, was critically acclaimed, but a lot of Star Wars fans hated it. Does that mean it's a good Star Wars movie? Is it a bad Star Wars movie? Well, that's on a very individual level to determine, isn't it? A lot of people have written books about what they think makes good screenwriting. Sid Field, Robert McKee, John York, uh, a British producer, I believe film executive, wrote a book, Into the Woods, that I just read and honestly that I loved. It's the first screenwriting book I've read since I started film school that I thought really captured some of the nuances of screenwriting, of art. And yet, They all try to prescribe a level of objectivity to art. They try to explain a way why we like art, the hero's journey. You know, I talked about Joseph Campbell, why I think he's a hack. And it's not just because he applies Freud's bullshit psychology and philosophies to storytelling, but also because he sidesteps reality to further his own magnanimous, larger-than-life 
theory. And I mean, the thing I like about John York and Into the Woods, his book, which I recommend you read, will be in the liner notes below, is that Mr. York recognizes a certain level of subjectivity, recognizes things that break the patterns he talks about. He tries to explain why we tell stories. He claims it's to make order out of chaos. And I think there's an interesting idea there. And I love this book, but Mulholland Drive by David Lynch makes no fucking sense. There are people who try to make sense of it, but even David Lynch is like, it's follows dream logic. And I, God, I fucking love David Lynch. This is no attack on David Lynch, but I don't like Mulholland Drive. I think it's nonsense. I think, you know, honestly, what I don't like about it is not the movie itself, but the dialogue around the movie about how it's the most deep, complex work of art of all time. And yet people will continue to argue this, that you just don't get it. Oh, you're not smart enough. It's, you know, that Rick and Morty bullshit conversation that, like, you're not smart enough to understand Mulholland Drive. If you've seen Mulholland Drive, you know what I'm talking about. Whether you love it or hate it, that movie, like, doesn't make sense. Like, intentionally, that movie does not make sense. It does not make order out of chaos. It makes chaos out of a medium defined by order. I think trying to explain art or to explain why we tell stories is in a way a fruitless endeavor. I think it's just as fruitless as trying to explain what makes a story good because it's all, it is so broad in its diversity and its meaning and its potential and power in it. And because it's inspired by our existences, right? Our human existence is very, I mean, it's it's diverse. Frankly, we carry very different values. We have very different experiences. A Puritan is going to have a very different experience with Stephen King than I would. People bring their own life and their own experiences and what they want into any given artistic experience, into any given artistic expression. And that the idea of trying to define it on a very broad basis to define what is good quality art is a fruitless endeavor yet you're trying to appeal to everyone you're or at least a specific fan base horror writers write for horror fans screenwriters likely write for as broad an audience as possible certainly execs film execs want them to write for as broad an audience as possible we talk about you know that is what we kind of mean when we say blank is objectively bad, even if it makes a lot of money. Blank is objectively bad because the largest, or rather the lowest, common denominator thinks it's bad, recognizes something wrong in it. But what is that thing? It didn't accomplish what it set out to? That's a common base for reviewers, I've noticed. Reviewers I'm fans of will address, okay, so maybe this thing doesn't appeal to me. Maybe this work of horror is deeply upsetting and fucked up. You know, maybe it's hereditary and it's kind of nihilistic and it's a warning to not, you know, fall apart as a family, to communicate, to love one another, to support one another. And if you don't, this is sort of a supernatural warning, a myth about what could go wrong. And maybe someone could watch that and have a bad experience and say, I didn't like this movie, but I recognize that people who are open to horror, to open to horrifying images, to warnings, to that type of story, 
will enjoy it. And some stories fail at what they're trying. Some try to be warnings. Some try to be really serious and fail. Some come across as goofy when they're trying to be serious, like The Room. And yet The Room, for all its failures in trying to be a serious story, is incredibly influential and incredibly broadly loved. I love The Room. People love The Room. In LA, it's, it's practically a cultural touchstone that there are all these midnight screenings. And again, if you, if you don't come from LA, there are midnight screenings on a weekly basis for The Room, Tommy Wiseau's The Room. It's like Rocky Horror Picture Show. People love The Room. It brings people together. Doesn't that make it meaningful? So why try to teach quality writing? What is quality writing worth? Why does this fucking podcast exist? Why study writing? Because we want to get better, right? What does better mean? Well, we've kind of covered it's what will make you the most money. But that may not even necessarily be true. And most people, if they go to film school, it's not just make a shit ton of money. Certainly they want to make a living. But, you know, I can speak about me. I can speak about a lot of my classmates and what I talked about. When we went to USC, to the film school, it was not just to make money, it was to move people. So then, what are you learning when you go to film school? What do people, what are they really trying to say when they talk about quality of art? People go to art school, go to film school, to learn how to make the thing that they love. People want to learn the crafts because they want to make the same impact that some piece of art or some pieces of art had on them. They want to make art like that art. And it's not just about art school. Anyone who's trying to get better at the craft of something, especially the craft of something artistic and so subjective like writing, is when you're trying to improve your craft, you're trying to understand what moves you about other stories, what works in those stories for you. It's the very structure of this podcast that we autopsy these screenplays and understand why the author, why the writer did what they did, why what they did moved us, and then taking that and applying it to our own works, to applying it to something new, to continuing that cycle of art. And certainly there's a level where we're trying to appeal to other audiences, but I think at the end of the day, it all has to come back to us and what makes us tick and what we love. And then expressing that. It's communication with a foundation of love. Art is subjective. Writing is subjective. Screenwriting is subjective. And that is a good thing. Because it's all about what you personally bring to the table. It is about your personal experiences. It's about helping you understand yourself and the world around you. And it's about sharing that sharing that knowledge, sharing that love with the rest of the world. And then hopefully it's about continuing that cycle, about touching someone in the same way that you have been touched by art, about inspiring them to continue the cycle, to make more art. So what is art for? Why do we make art? What is good art? It's subjective. Don't run away from that. Embrace it. That doesn't mean give up on trying to get better. Get better at what you like in art. Get better at writing what makes you tick. 
That's what this podcast is for. And that's what will bring you the greatest joy. I'm going to get very personal for a second. During COVID, I took some time to finish a novel I'd been working on. And in the last several months, I've been querying that novel. And I have been querying that novel to agents. And I have not had any bite. I have had no success with it. But the truth of the matter is, it's the thing I'm most proud of that I've written. I do not normally feel connected the way I do to this novel. I normally am very judgmental of my art. I am normally not very confident about my writing. Yet this novel, as flawed as it is, and I can acknowledge its flaws, actually I can identify its flaws, what, what will be flaws to other people, and even some things that I think are flaws to myself, I still think it is great. I still think it's moving and powerful and, and very intentional. There are, are layers to it. And I don't say this to brag, but to say that no one has reacted to my novel the way I have. I've had people read it and love it, other writers. I've had people whose opinions I trust about the quality of writing tell me it's good, but it's not about to get published. I mean, fuck, if it, if it does and all that shit happens, I will lose my mind on this podcast and you guys will hear about it. But I don't know that it will, and I don't think that it will. And I can blame that on the market. I can blame that on any number of things, but the bottom line is that I've sent my novel now to, I don't know, 20 people, 20 agents. No one has found it compelling enough to request the full thing, even. I ultimately alone love the novel as much as I feel it deserves to be loved. The fact that I know people who want to read the next one don't matter. I mean, I guess they kind of do, but the, the point is that Art is subjective. You can make something that you subjectively think is great, and you will know if you think something is great because it will connect with you in the way other works of art have, and it still may not be enough to make a career out of it. This can't be about a career. Writing can't be about a career. That doesn't mean give up. That doesn't mean don't pursue a career. But what's great about art and what makes it powerful is not everyone else's experience with it because you can't control everyone else's experience with art what makes art great is how you feel about it but don't try to make that objective it will never be objective you are not an objective listener reader viewer creator of art you're just a person but that's what makes art special. You are what makes art special. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for giving this new format a shot. Let me know what you think of it. Join the Discord linked below. Email me. I don't actually know if I'm giving you my email yet, but uh, if you have it, email me, DM me on Instagram. Do whatever you want. Uh, let me know what you think of the show. Please consider donating on Patreon. We'll be back with our regular programming next week. So look forward to that. And look forward to edging into the darkness inside of us. The horror genre. Into spooky Halloween.
Until then, I'm Carl Albert, and this has been Popcraft.